thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. And I'm grateful you're here this morning, whether you're joining us here physically or you are online. We're so grateful that you're here. We know a lot of people are sick out there and know that we are praying for you and we're trusting the Lord with you. And as we get ready to start our sermon, I want to celebrate too. I don't know if y'all got a chance to look at our Who's Your One wall. If you've not been with us for a couple weeks, we have, uh, we've taken the initials of our one. That is the person who's apart from Christ and yet close to us, the person that we're going to commit to sharing the gospel with, and to winning our one for Jesus. Well, we wrote their initials on a ping pong ball, and we built a wall out there. And when I say we, David Husky, none of us in the staff know how to do that. He did it. He built a wall, and it's incredible. We put those ping pong balls in there. I don't know if you visited today, but you should, because you know what we're starting to see? Numerous orange ping pong balls with the white. You know what that means? that some of our ones are being saved and have already given their heart and their life to Jesus. Isn't that good stuff, church? I love it. So if you've not filled out a ping pong ball with the initials of your one, do so. There's a who's your one card out, or who's your one card right out in the lobby. You can fill that out. Let's continue to win our one to faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now, as we begin the sermon today, um, this past week, we had supper at the house. We try to have a supper every night with our kids, and we just sit around and talk, cut off all the devices. Man, it's just really good. Well, as we're sitting there, we're eating. I think I just cooked some burgers on the Blackstone. By the way, if you don't have Blackstone Grill, get it, all right? Life-changing, you need one in your life. And so I was cooking on that, and uh, we got dinner together. I was sitting near my oldest daughters, and uh, we were just talking. My boy loves dinosaurs. And so every meal we eat is in the company of dinosaurs, right? And they eat the meal with us. It's weird. Anyway, so we, uh, we love dinosaurs in our house, and the girls started talking, saying, Hey, hey, Dad, whatever happened to them old dinosaurs? And being the scholar that I am, <laughs> you know, we, we begin to dive into some theories from aliens, all that good stuff. And I said, girls, you know, some people believe they, they died out into the flood, and, and then other people believe that a, that a really big asteroid hit the earth. And before you knew it, those dinosaurs were gone. Hey, Daddy, what's an asteroid? Hey, big old space rock. Daddy, could one hit the earth right now? Sure. For the next 20 minutes, we launched into what if, Daddy, what if it hit our house? We'd be dead. Daddy, what if it hit our neighbor's house? They'd be, we'd be dead and they'd be dead. Daddy, what if, what if it was this big and it hit our house? And listen, I went through the next 20 minutes of these what if questions as the fear and the anxiety rose up in my girls. It was kind of funny. Anyway, we just kept talking about this asteroid thing and these what if questions. Daddy, what if? My favorite was, Daddy, what if it was this big and it hit me in the head? You're dead. You know, it's, you're gone. Uh, you're with Jesus. And, and we lived in these what-if questions for about 20 minutes. And finally, I said, girls, listen, it's all okay. We belong to Jesus. So bring on the asteroids, right? Didn't bring much comfort, but the right thing to say in that moment. You know, let me ask you this. You know this. It's hard living in a what-if world, isn't it? It's hard to live in a what-if world. And there's no question that you and I, we live in a what-if world, don't we? Hey, what happens if there's, what if there's another 9-11? 
What if there's another terrorist attack? What if I get COVID-19? And what if I get it really bad? What happens if I don't get a vaccine? What if I do get a vaccine? What if the government starts making vaccines mandatory and I don't want to get one? What if an asteroid hits the earth? What if I get cancer? What if I lose my job? What if financially everything's gone? What if someone I love so dearly, what if they die? What if tragedy strikes my, my family? Guys, it is hard to live in a what if world, isn't it? The questions of, of what if invoke fear and un- uncertainty that can be overwhelming at times, can it? It can be overwhelming. I read this quote from a pastor I love to read and listen to. Kevin DeYoung posted this the other day. He said, in our internet age, it is easy to be overwhelmed with burdens that only God is meant to carry. Hey, isn't that true? We're exposed to so much heaviness, so much that is overwhelming that we find ourselves being overwhelmed living in this what-if world. You know, Habakkuk, the prophet Habakkuk in the Old Testament lived in a what-if world too in the 7th century. And I love the the book of Habakkuk because it's unique. It is the only book where the entire book is a conversation between Habakkuk and God. He doesn't speak to God's people on God's behalf. He just has a dialogue, a conversation with God. I love it because he doesn't shy away in this conversation from the hard questions, from confronting God with what's troubling him, and he doesn't shy away from wrestling with God over what troubled his heart so much. Here in the book of Habakkuk, we find that Habakkuk is lamenting. He is lamenting before God. And you might say to yourself, what does it mean to to lament? You ready? Lamenting means Habakkuk was drawing God's attention to evil and to suffering by crying out to him with his questions. Hey, questions like this. Why why does God allow corruption, evil, and suffering to exist in the world? Why doesn't God act quicker in such situations? Hey, these are universal questions that people everywhere ask. And by the way, haven't you asked them too? Hey, at some point in your faith journey, haven't you had those, those types of questions come up in your heart and your life? Well, for Habakkuk, he lived in a what-if world. The southern kingdom of Judah, Habakkuk's home, they, they were in the last decades of their very existence. The Babylonians, a, a terrible, godless, evil empire, was growing and increasing in both power and in number. All the while, the leaders of Judah, Habakkuk's hometown, if you would, they were corrupt. The leaders nor the people loved God, nor did they love the very word of God. Habakkuk's world was filled with injustice and idolatry and violence. Does that sound familiar to you at all? Isn't that a little too familiar? 
You see, that's the what-if world. Habakkuk was living in. Hey, and if that wasn't enough, God begins in this conversation to let Habakkuk in on his plan. God was going to allow the Babylonians to come in and to bring about his justice against the corrupt leaders and people of Judah. And I'm going to tell you something. Habakkuk's not having any of it. Habakkuk is absolutely terrified by this proposition. The Babylonians, man, they were worse than even the corrupt, unjust leaders of Judah. You see, the Babylonians, they deified their power. They devoured nations, and they were going to destroy the Judah that Habakkuk had always known. Habakkuk hated God's idea of using the Babylonians to punish Judah. And you know what he did? He let God know it. Thus, the book of Habakkuk. The book of Habakkuk. We're going to dive into it just a little bit today. And we're, beginning, we're going to begin to ask some questions about Habakkuk. I love what Tim Keller says about the prophet Habakkuk. He says this, that Habakkuk is way too faithful for the secular and way too honest for the religious. Isn't that good? Way too faithful for the secular and way too honest for the religious. And can I share something with you? I, I believe this today, that all of us have a little bit of Habakkuk in us. Way too faithful for the secular. But at times in our faith, way too honest for even the religious. Habakkuk's hope, his lone hope in this entire conversation was the promise of God that he would one day destroy the Babylonians and that the people of God, so filled with fear, would once again be filled and would live by faith. In fact, the Lord promised Habakkuk in chapter 2, verse 4, that the righteous will live by faith. A truth echoed by Paul to speak of our faith in Christ, a faith that is justified and lived out in Christ in Romans 1.17 and Galatians 3.11. And by the way, the person who's in Christ in this room is the righteous who live by faith, spoken of here in the book of Habakkuk. But here's the question I have. What if Habakkuk's faith in a what-if world? What would his faith look like and how would he live it out? in a world filled with what is. Well, we get a pretty good picture of his faith and how it's lived out in chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, Habakkuk chapter 3, Old Testament, either turn there or swipe there on your smart devices. And I want us to watch this chapter unfold. And here's what I love about chapter 3, that chapter 3 takes the shape, takes the form of a song. Of a song. And it's as if Habakkuk is inviting his readers, you and me, to sing this song of faith with him. And here's how he begins to open up chapter 3. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, on the Shigonoth. Verse 2, Lord or Yahweh, I have heard your fame. I stand in all of your deeds, Yahweh or Lord. Repeat them in our day and in our time. Make them known. Hey, isn't this incredible? Because if you've ever read the book of Habakkuk, if you know anything about his story, what's amazing is Habakkuk, who once was questioning God, is now worshiping him. Habakkuk, who was confrontational with God, is now crowning him with praise. Habakkuk, who once was angry with God, now stands in awe 
at his very feet. You know what it reminds me of? Believer, hear me. It is okay to question, to wonder, and even to share your frustration with God. As long as at the end of the day, you land at his feet. And this is exactly in chapter 3, where we find the prophet Habakkuk. Now, I want you to jump just a little bit further with me, if you would. And I want us to go to verse 17. And I want us to see how he ends this song of faith played out here in Habakkuk chapter 3. It says this, Though the fig tree does not bud, though there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. Guys, I read this and I have to ask, is this the same Habakkuk that we find in in chapter 1? The one who cries out to the Lord, how long shall I cry? And yet we see him rejoicing here in chapter 3. The very same one In chapter 1, who cried out and said this of God, you do not save. And yet in chapter 3, he's calling God his Savior. Is this the same Habakkuk? What could explain such a difference in his life? And here's what I want to show you. You ready? This truth. That Habakkuk had an even-if faith in a what-if world. Hey, church, how is it that we see such a difference in the prophet Habakkuk's life from chapter 1 to chapter 3 is that he chose that in a what-if world that he would have an even-if faith. I love Habakkuk's name in the Hebrew. It literally means this. Habakkuk means to embrace. And what we find in chapter 3 is finally the prophet Habakkuk begins to embrace this idea that in his what-if world, he was going to choose and he was going to go with an even-if faith. I want you to check out the lyrics of his song here in chapter 3. What he's saying practically is, even if the Babylonians do come, even though great famine may take place, even though the economy may crash and economic ruin be my reality, even if the world begins to crumble, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord, Yahweh, is my strength. Hey, let me show it to you this way. And even if faith always leads to joy and ends in joy. Whereas a what-if type of faith always leads to fear. So let me just simplify it even more. Even if equals faith. What if always equals, always equals fear. You see, the world will ask at times, what if, what if? And the believer's answer should always be, it's not what if, but even if. Even if it happens. Even if it goes down that way. Even if it's not what I want. I'm. I'm with him. I'm with him. So how is it that you as a believer, that I as a believer today, how do we sing Habakkuk's song? How do we have an even if type of faith in a what if world? And you know what? There's one simple answer there. 
For us to have an even-if faith in a what-if world, we must be convinced and we must know that God is at work. The only comfort, the only courage Habakkuk had in his day was he was convinced and he knew that his God was at work. Listen to the scripture here in Habakkuk 1 verse 2. Habakkuk cries out, How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Hey, have you ever prayed that prayer before? You ever cried that out? He goes on and says, I cry out to you, violence, but you do not save. Verse 3, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Hey, remember this, Habakkuk was too faithful for the secular, but way too honest for the religious, wasn't he? You ever found yourself asking those questions of God? You see, what happens is sometimes our fear, our weariness, our burdens convince us that God is far off, inattentive, and unaware of the brokenness around us, but also the brokenness in us. And Habakkuk would know this true, what I shared with you earlier. As the psalmist writes in Psalm 34, 18, that God is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. God is not only aware and attentive to what is happening around you and to you and in you, but he is never more near than when you or I are hurting or afraid or overwhelmed in this what-if world. Corey Ten Boom, I love her story. She was, her and her family were taken into Nazi concentration camps for helping Jews escape extermination. Well, she would lose some of her family and then spend the rest of her life as God miraculously brought her out of the concentration camp, sharing and teaching and preaching the gospel. Wonderful lady. I love what she wrote one time. She said this, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look to God, you will be at rest. Hey, it's a reminder that in a what-if world as believers... We must have and we must hold to an even-if faith. An even-if faith that embraces the truth that God is at work. Listen to God's answer to Habakkuk in verse 5 of chapter 1. Listen to what he says to him. Look at the nations and watch, Habakkuk, and be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you are told. Can I put this in East Tennessee language? Hey, Habakkuk, you ain't going to believe this, bro. You ain't going to believe it. Just, you're not going to be able to wrap your mind around is what God is saying. That while you're worrying, while you're weary, while you're waiting, while you're overwhelmed, Habakkuk, I am at work. God is at work. He is doing something in your heart and your life that you would not believe even if he told you. But the question is, is will you trust him? You ready? Even if. Even if it's not what you had in mind. Even if it wasn't what you planned. Even if at times it's not what you want. Will you choose to have an even if faith in God? John Piper wrote this and I love it. He says that God is always at work doing 10,000 things in your life. And you may be aware of three of them. Isn't that good? 
Hey, believer, God is at work in your life with 10,000 things. And I bet you I'm just good if I know just one of them that God's doing in my life. You know, I, although Habakkuk seems to have it pretty rough, I know what it is to live in a what-if world too. The questions that seem to go on and on and answers that seem to be nowhere in sight. I, I don't know about you, but I look at the corruption and the idolatry and the violence in our own culture. And, and by the way, guys, this is not political because the corruption and the injustice on both sides. And you're crazy to think if it's not. I look at it, and you know, I don't worry for me. I'm going to be okay. I'm getting close to 40. I understand. I see what's going on. I'm going to be okay. But you know who I really worry for? My babies. My kids. And then not only that, my, my grandkids. So when my kids reach the age of 40 and they start getting married, and they start having babies, man, I start worrying for my grandkids. What kind of world will they have? What kind of future will they have? You ready? Let me put it better. What if? What if for my babies? What if for my kids, my grandkids? Alex Cravens, a youth pastor in Arkansas, posted something that went viral that I want to share with you. Now, now let me just tell you, this is the only good thing that's ever come out of Arkansas, okay? So you may want to listen up. It's really good stuff. And the answers of what if for our children. Here's what he writes. Here's what he posted. Now, it's about four paragraphs long. Everybody okay? Did you get enough coffee? Hey, check on your neighbor. Make sure they're awake. They're doing okay. I'm going to read off about three or four paragraphs. You ready? Here's his post. Don't feel sorry or fear for your kids because the world they are going, they're growing up in is not what it used to be. God created them and called them for the exact moment and time that they're in. Their life wasn't a coincidence or an accident. Raise them up to know the power they walk in as children of God. Train them up in the authority of His Word. Teach them to walk in faith knowing that God is in control. Empower them to know that they can change the world. Don't teach them to be fearful or disheartened by the state of the world, but hopeful that they can do something about it. Every person in all of history has been placed in the time they were in because of God's sovereign plan. He knew Daniel could handle the lions did, that David could handle Goliath. He knew Esther could handle Haman, and he knew Peter could handle persecution. He knows that your child can handle whatever challenge they face in their life. He created them specifically for it. Don't be scared for your children, but be honored that God chose you to parent the generation that is facing the biggest challenges of our lifetime. Rise up to the challenge. Raise Daniels, raise Davids, raise Esthers, raise Peters. God isn't scratching his head wondering what he's going to do with the mess of this world. He is in the, raising up an army to drive back to darkness and to make him known all over the earth. Don't let your fill steal the greatness God placed in them. I know it's hard to imagine them as anything besides our sweet little babies, and we just want to protect them in anything from anything that could ever be hard on them, but they were born for a time such as this. Hey, and he's right. It's instilling in our children an even if faith in a what if world. I love how he ends this post. He says, Just some thoughts from a dad who's rocking his baby asleep and thinking about the crazy day it's been in our country.
What Alex is talking about is what Habakkuk knows to be true. That believers must embrace an even-if faith in a what-if world. And, and even if faith that we see in the life of three Hebrew teenagers in the Old Testament in the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon, when the rest of the world bowed down on their faces before an earthly image and began to worship it, three Hebrew teenagers stood out from the crowd refusing to worship the earthly king or his earthly image. And in Daniel chapter 3, starting in verse 16, it says this, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this manner. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. And watch this in verse 18. But even if, He does not. Did you catch it? Even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. I look at three Hebrew teenagers, and I begin to see in them an even-if faith in a what-if world. Hey, believer, a faith that you and I must embrace like Habakkuk did. A faith that you and I must take hold of. A faith that says, even if the rest of the world bows, I will stand for Christ. Even if people hate me, I will serve them and I will serve Christ anyway. Even if I live in a world that is filled with fear, I will live by faith. Even if I don't understand everything God is doing, I will trust He is working. In a world full of what ifs, I will have an even if faith. In Jesus Christ. I love this quote from the great theologian Gandalf from the Lord of the Rings books and movie. Listen to what he said to old Frodo. He said, and Frodo began to ask him a question and light all the bad things happening to him. And trust me, his world was turned upside down and rocking a little bit. A lot of bad things were going on. Here's what Frodo said to Gandalf. I just wish... It need not have happened in my time. And Gandalf said to Frodo, so do I. And so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. What to do with the time that is given us. Hey, with the time given to us believers, you know what I'm going to choose? I'm going to choose an even if faith. In a what-if world. And here's the why behind that. Because I know that God is always at work. Hey, think of it. Even long before you and I were saved, Romans 5.8 teaches us that God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That God was working to save you long before you were ever willing to call on his name. And you know what our faith begins to teach us? That there is no what-if that can ever stop an even-if faith. There is no what-if that can ever stop an even-if faith. Romans chapter 8, one of the greatest chapters in all the Bible. If you've not read it, man, you're missing it. Go home and read it tonight. Romans chapter 8 kind of culminates here where we're reminded that there is no what-if that can ever stop an even-if faith. 
Paul writes this. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? On in verse 37. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. You know what I see there in Romans chapter 8? Man, a whole lot of what ifs. But you know what I'm reminded of when I look to Jesus? There's not a single what if that can stop an even if faith. I want to close with this. I was on Facebook last week and I saw a post from Ishmael Montoya. He's a CEO of a ministry called Christian Brigades. And I want you to look what he writes. He's posted this, an underground church in Kabul, Afghanistan is now at home with the Lord. Hey, not an individual, an entire church. We received news that the underground church in Kabul, Afghanistan has been martyred. Our friends have been in contact and met together last night in deep prayer. The last words she spoke were, we feel your prayers because the supernatural boldness came over us and we were singing in the Spirit. Even the kids said, Mom, we will not deny Jesus. As they were on the phone with this underground church, they heard screaming and gunshots. And he says, God is so powerful that they went to be with the Creator filled with joy. That God's Spirit was moving so much that even the children were saying, even if they come, we're, we're not going to deny Him. Can you imagine what it's like for that church who now is dressed in white, singing at the throne of Jesus? Can you imagine what the days leading up to this event were like for them? What if the Americans leave? What if the world abandons us? What if the Taliban? What if they take over again? What if they start abusing women and children again and killing the men? What if they start persecuting the, the church again? And yet we find that all those what-ifs took place. And we find an underground church in Kabul, Afghanistan answering the questions of what if answering that with an even if faith that even if we will not abandon Jesus we will follow Christ church I want to challenge you this morning in a world in a world filled with what ifs you and I, in Christ, have been given an even if faith. Let's pray together, can we? As we pray, I, I preach this message because I I've lived in that what if world far too many times probably like a lot of you where the questions of oh 
what if become overwhelming and crippling? It's hard to live there. But what we uncover in Habakkuk's story and what we see in Christ and our faith in Him, what we begin to see is that in a what-if world, you and I can have an even-if faith. Why? Because God is at work. Guys, He's at work in your life. He's doing 10,000 things, and you might know of one, two, or three of them at any given time. Can I ask you this? What are the what-ifs that have you overwhelmed today? What are they? You know them. The tears fill your eyes right now in this moment because you're very aware of what they are. And that's okay. Because right now, the Jesus in you and the God who is for you through today's Scripture and message is reminding you that even even if Even if all the world crumbles around you, He'll never leave you or forsake you. That even if brokenness surrounds you, He'll make you whole. That in a what-if world, that He can give you an even-if faith. And so I wonder if believers right now just cry out to Him. And say, God, here are all my what-ifs. I give them to you. In exchange, would you give me an even if faith for all of my what ifs? That even if I'll worship you, even if I'll crown you with praise, even if I'll trust that you are working, church, give to him your what ifs and let him give to you. A faith that is even if today. And as Christians are praying all over the room, I I wonder if you're here. You may be lost. You don't know Him. The only hope you have is a semblance of faith that that is rooted in the what if. What if Jesus is real? What if God is real? What if I die apart from Him? Let me tell you the good news of the Gospel is that Jesus Christ He answers all the what-ifs. He answered it on the cross when He died for your sin and shame. He answered it again three days later when He emptied the grave so that in Him you don't have to have a what-if faith, but an even-if faith. Knowing that your life is His. One of the greatest questions is, what if I die apart from Jesus? Hey, can I ask you an equally important one? What if you live your life without Him? You don't have to. No matter where you've been, what you've done, no matter who you are. For God so loved you that He gave His one and only Son that if you'll just believe in Him, whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.